There are five ministry offices given to the church by Jesus from heaven. Ephesians chapter 4 says, After he arose, after Jesus was crucified and resurrected, taken into heaven, after he arose, he gave gifts to the church. Those gifts were ministry offices for the church. Five ministry offices. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. There is no such thing given by Jesus as Pope, Archbishop, Cardinal, Vicar, any of those names. It is Apostle, Prophet, Evangelist, Pastor, and Teacher for the work of the ministry. After I was born again, I attended first a little church called Believer's Chapel, which I would say in doctrine is approximately like the Church of Christ and Baptist. The pastors at that church were professors from Dallas Theological Seminary. When I started going there, they were speaking against the subject of tongues. I really didn't care because I didn't know what a tongue was anyway. But one day I was reading the New Testament Bible, and in the next to the last verse of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul said, Forbid not to speak with tongues. Well, the church I was attending was forbidding you to speak with tongues and teaching that tongues were of the devil. The New Testament didn't teach that at all. So I said immediately, I am not going back to a church where they teach something opposite from the Bible. My best friend and her husband were attending that church They took me to that church with them after I was born again. That's how I learned about that church. Usually a relative or a friend tells you about a church and they are going to that church and they take you, so you go. That is very common practice. Well, I said to Donna, did you know that Paul said in the Bible, forbid not to speak with tongues? And she was shocked. I said, and they're forbidding tongues and teaching that tongues are of the devil, so I'm not going back to that church. And Donna said, well, let's go to my house and look up all the translations that I have, and let's see what they say. And I said, that's fine. So we drove immediately to her house, looked up, five or six different translations of the Bible. And when we did that, every one of them said, forbid not to speak with tongues. 
So I said, well, I'm not going back to that church. And she said, well, I'm not going either. This is the great problem that I find in both the Protestant and Catholic churches, and that is they teach a doctrine that is opposite from the Bible. That is Antichrist in the churches, when you see that. I knew that God was calling me to be a minister. And I said to God, well, I don't see how I can be, because Paul said, let women keep silence in the churches. God spoke to me at that point in time and said, look at what those women were doing in that example in 1 Corinthians 14. I looked and I saw that Paul said, and if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home. I felt very definitely that God was saying, these women were upsetting the flow of the Spirit of God by interrupting with questions. And while God was speaking to me about women in the churches, he reminded me of Paul going to see Philip the evangelist, and he had four daughters who did prophesy. Prophecy is always sent to the church, not the world. Those prophets would go to the church, and I knew that. If he had four daughters who did prophesy, those women who were prophets would have to be able and free to speak to the church to prophesy. I was sure of that. That's in Acts chapter 21. Start at verse 8. And the next day we that were of Paul's company departed and came unto Caesarea, and we entered into the house of Philip the Evangelist, which was one of the seven, and abode with him. And the same man had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. So I knew that they would have to be free to speak to the church in that situation. God reminded me of Anna, who was at the synagogue when they brought Jesus in, right after his birth, when he came in as a baby, and Anna saw him and prophesied immediately that this was the promised Messiah. Then God reminded me of the prophet Deborah. I've always loved this story of Deborah. It's in Judges 4. Start at verse 4. And Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, she judged Israel at that time. Here she is a woman, and she is appointed to judge Israel. And she dwelt under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in Mount Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her 
for judgment. She was one of the judges appointed by God during the period of time when judges ruled over the church before the time of kings. So God put all this together for me at that same moment. God was teaching me in those early years, especially the first three years after I was born again. He was teaching me from both the Old Testament and the New Testament concerning the subject of prophets. I suspected that that was one of my callings. I knew I had two callings. I was driving along the road during that period of time, sometime, I think, in the 1977 period of history. I was driving down the highway. God began to speak to me, and he said, I have called you and set you in the body of Christ as an apostle. I was so shocked. I said, what's that? What's an apostle? I don't know anything about apostles. And it really never occurred to me I could be both offices. Paul was. Paul was an apostle and teacher. I said to God, I don't know anything about apostles. I know at the church I attend, they believe there are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the work of the ministry, according to Ephesians chapter 4. But I don't know anyone at that church who is an apostle or what apostles do in the New Testament church. I went to the teacher, Bible teacher, of our singles class, and I said, Don, who are the apostles at this church? And he said, well, I don't know. Now, we had all the other offices operating at that church. We had the pastor's wife, who was said to be a prophet. We had other prophets. And we had evangelists, and we had pastor and teacher. But no one had ever mentioned who was an apostle and what that person did. Although they professed to believe that there are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. We didn't seem to have any at that church, which was Word of Faith. And I said, well, what kind of work do they do? And Don didn't know. And I had to depend on God completely to show me what apostles do in the New Testament church. So this is something from God. You really want to pay close attention to it. It's in Acts chapter 15. Here is the setting of Acts chapter 15. The Gentiles have been placed into the New Testament church. A question arose about the Gentiles. Do they have to be circumcised? Some men came down from Judea and taught the brethren and said, 
except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. That's verse 1. Paul and Barnabas, who were apostles, very much disagreed with this doctrine that the Gentiles had to be circumcised. Also, they said that the Gentiles had to follow the law of Moses. Well, we know today that God was changing covenants at that time. Jesus had been crucified, was raised from the dead, and he was establishing the New Testament church. He was doing away with the old covenant, which God had promised to do away with. In Hebrews chapter 8, he was going to eliminate the old covenant and put in a new covenant. He wasn't even going to go by the law of Moses anymore. That would have been a terrible message to have to give those people in that day that you don't sacrifice animals for your sin anymore, as you did for hundreds and hundreds of years. You're not going to be requiring circumcision. What kind of chaos would this have caused if they had brought that forth to the synagogues? They were already letting the Gentiles in, which the Old Testament forbid them to have association with the other countries and the Gentiles. But all the way back to the time of Abraham, Genesis chapter 12, it was prophesied by God to Abraham that he would be a father of many nations, not just the Jews, the Gentiles also. That is in Genesis chapter 12. So it all fit with the Old Testament. It was just that they were going to have a new covenant. They were no longer going to sacrifice animals. They were going to have faith in the work of Jesus Christ and the blood shed for their sins as we do today. But it must have been a terrible shock when Peter and the other apostles and then later Paul spoke this message of faith in Jesus to the people at the synagogue, because they spoke directly in the synagogue, this message. Well, of course, the Jews were furious, many of them. Some of them were converted to Jesus at the synagogue. Some priests, it says, and many priests were converted to Jesus at the synagogue. The Jews had decided that if you spoke in the name of Jesus, you would be put out of the synagogue. So many of the people kept quiet about their belief in Jesus for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. So the uproar was just incredible. Basically, they're taking away their whole church system, which was the synagogue and the Old Testament and establishing a new covenant, a New Testament church with different ministries. Now, from heaven, they're going to have the appointment of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the work of the ministry. 
So it will be completely different from what they have heard in the synagogues in the Old Covenant. Paul was confronted with speaking these messages to the people in the synagogues, and then they would try to kill him or run him out of town or keep him from speaking. And they did the same thing to Peter and John, same type of thing. In the book of Acts, we see it. So the question of what about these Gentiles has arisen. Do they have to be circumcised? And this one group said, and they have to follow the law of Moses, which was going to be vanish away. God was replacing it at that point in time with the New Testament, which hadn't been written. You see, it's so different today for anyone operating in the office of an apostle because basically you have an anointing to deal with scripture and especially doctrine in the New Testament church. We have the New Testament Bible to go by. They didn't have that at the time of Paul and Peter. They were going to be writing it through their epistles. It would become the New Testament Bible, so we can all see our doctrine today. So what's so difficult about today? We have the New Testament Bible. We have all of the doctrines of Christ set out for us in black and white in the New Testament Bible. So what makes it necessary to have an apostle in the church, and what do they do? They deal with church doctrine. They will try to get the church to uphold all the doctrines of the New Testament Bible. They will have their rules set forth in the New Testament, and you're always trying to get an individual to pay attention to the instruction in the scriptures rather than anything else. There are many scriptures concerning divorce and remarriage. If a woman divorced and remarried, she committed adultery. If she was a faithful woman and she divorced and remarried, she would commit adultery. And the man who marries the divorced woman will commit adultery. The only scriptural reason for a man to divorce his wife, there was only one reason. If she was unfaithful to him, she would commit adultery, but she'd already been unfaithful, so she was guilty of being an adulteress. But if he divorced a faithful wife, Jesus said, that man will be the cause of the faithful wife's adultery if she marries. Matthew 5, verse 32. Jesus says, But I say unto you, that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced committeth adultery. Matthew 5.32 The man who divorced a faithful wife 
will be the cause of her committing adultery. The faithful wife who has been divorced by her husband will commit adultery if she remarries, and the man she marries commits adultery. In 45 years, I've never heard that taught at any church that I have attended. I've never heard any church teach that the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. And yet, Jesus said that it's in Matthew 5.32. It's never been done away with. The new covenant would uphold this. But the churches don't. So people like me who are appointed to this role that I have are always trying to get the churches to teach all of the scriptures and uphold the scriptures. Another scripture which is cast away by many New Testament churches concerns homosexuals and lesbians. What does the Bible say? What does the New Testament say about homosexuals and lesbians? Everything that we go by in the church has to do with Scripture and what does God show us through the Scriptures. What does the Bible say? It's not our opinion. What does the Bible say? Let's go to Romans chapter 1 concerning homosexuals and lesbians and read what God authored in the New Testament Bible concerning this subject. Start at verse 21. Romans chapter 1. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds, and four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forever. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. Verse 28, 
And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. And that's what the Bible in the New Testament says about homosexuals and lesbians. There are even more verses disapproving homosexuals in the Old Testament. The whole city of Sodom was destroyed by God because the sin had reached to God's ears. Genesis chapter 19. The whole city, every quarter of the city, was given to homosexuals. And these men came out to have sex with the two men at Lot's house who were really angels. They just looked like natural men, but they were really angels sent by God to destroy Sodom because the sin had reached to God's ears and he was going to make an example of Sodom. So he sent two angels to destroy the whole city of Sodom, but before they could destroy it, they had to get Lot and his family out of Sodom, at least the ones who would go with him. Homosexuals were absolutely forbidden by God. said there would be no homosexuals, no Sodomites in the nation of Israel. They were cast out in the Old Testament by the kings, by the rules. There is no approval of homosexual or lesbian anywhere in the Old or the New Testament. It is consistent on the subject of being turned over by God to vile affections, to do the sins of a homosexual or lesbian. Now, if they see the truth in the Bible and repent, Of course they'll be saved. But they can't do it anymore. They can't be homosexual anymore. When Jesus was dealing with the woman taken in adultery, he didn't condemn her. He said, go and sin no more. You can't continue to be a prostitute. You can't continue to be in the church of God and be a lesbian. You have to repent. Now these churches will accept you, and they will say you're fine, and God loves you, and he wants you to be happy. But that's not what the Bible says. He wants you to follow his commandments. If you read John chapter 15, you will certainly see that. God wants you to follow the rules which are set forth in the New Testament for the New Testament church. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for reproof, for correction, that the man of God may live in righteousness. So you can prove your doctrine by going to the New Testament Bible. But you just assume that your church is doing everything right. The man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Have you ever 
heard that taught at your church? Or do they, so to speak, bless the person getting married and say, oh, how wonderful, you found a mate. I shared this with my best friend and her husband. It turned out my best friend had been a Rhodes Scholar in Italy. She met an Italian boy and married him. They got back to the United States. He left her. So she was a divorced woman. When she met Hal at a Bible church, she did not tell him she was divorced. She knew it would be a problem. There were two women that he wanted to date at the church. His wife had died. He had three small children. So he selected two women, and one of them was Donna. He wanted to date them and see how everything went. He did not know Donna was divorced. He met her, started going with her, fell in love with her, and she told him she was divorced. And I said to Hal, if you had known Donna was divorced, would you have dated her? He grew very quiet. See, it used to be taught, some of these things in the 1940s used to be taught at the churches. He grew very quiet, and he said to me, No, I don't think I would have dated her if I had known she had been divorced. This is a very serious problem. It has evaporated from the New Testament Bible. The preachers don't want to offend anyone at church because they might not come to their church. They would go to another church. And they would lose numbers and money. So much of the scriptures are withheld at church because they don't want to get smaller in size. They want to get larger in size. And we are at the point of the end times when the apostasy in the churches becomes rampant. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Read that scripture in the King James Version as well as the New American Standard Version because the New American Standard Version uses the exact word apostasy. Jesus will not return unless the apostasy occurs. Apostasy is sin in the churches wrong doctrine being taught in the church. Antichrist is doctrines of Christ being removed and other exact opposites to the doctrine of Christ set up in the church. In the Bible, it says the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery, and they don't read that scripture at church. See apostasy the end-time apostasy. And in 1982, when I was reading 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul tells the following. Verse 
3. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day of the Lord shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. The churches that I have been in have been teaching that Antichrist is one man and he comes through the government of men's. During the time of Napoleon, the Russian people thought Napoleon was the Antichrist. I'm sure during World War II, many church people thought Hitler was the Antichrist. But Antichrist is a spirit that's in man, according to the Apostle John in 1 John chapter 4, verse 3. Spirit of Antichrist. It's like the devil is not one man. He's in many men by the spirit of devils. Antichrist is in many church people today who don't want to go by specific scriptures. And the door is open for Antichrist to come into the church the minute they eliminate a scripture. For Jesus is the scripture, and he is the only one keeping Antichrist out of the churches. We are at the end time where the apostasy comes into the churches. So it's pretty complex and yet simple. Do the word of God, which is the Holy Scripture. Go by them, and that keeps Antichrist out of your life. You start going by scriptures such as Matthew 5, 32 you probably won't be able to stay at the church that you're in right now because they will not like what you're speaking. You will offend people when you start telling them the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. You will really have an uproar. So you have to choose between the church and the scriptures, just like I did as a new Christian in 1975 when they were teaching at the church I was attending, tongues are of the devil. I saw the scripture where in 1 Corinthians 14, 39, Paul said, forbid not to speak with tongues. And there wasn't any question what I would do. I chose the Bible. But I couldn't go to that church and choose the Bible. I had to choose one or the other, the Bible or that church. And fortunately for me, I chose the Bible. I've left many churches because the pastor was speaking a lie. I would go to him and talk to him about it. He knew what he said was a lie, but he had no sorrow. He had no repentance. He was Antichrist in the church.
And that's what's going on today. So if you're having problems finding a church to attend because it's a watered down, it doesn't fit the way things used to be preached, establish your doctrine by the Bible. Establish yourself by the Bible. And you will see the truth about Antichrist. Now, concerning this falling away, in 1982, God said to me what Paul is talking about in his falling away of the end times. The falling away was not people leaving the churches. The falling away were the churches leaving the scripture. And when that happens, you see Antichrist, the apostasy, in the churches at the end time. Thank you for allowing me to share this with you today.